0: The first reading before us this morning is from the book of Micah, chapter 7. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham, as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. O Lord, have mercy on us. Our epistle lesson for today is from Peter's first epistle, the fifth chapter. Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, have Have mercy upon us. The gospel lesson for today is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 15th chapter. He said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? but I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But When this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found." Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. (laughs) Dear friends, the text for our meditation this morning is a single Bible verse. 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. This is the word of the Lord. My friends, in the gospel lesson before us for today, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. I don't believe that title even begins to express what the parable is really about. But anyway, the parable of the prodigal son presents a father with two sons who are very different from each other in their temperament, in their work ethic, and in everything they think, do, and say. And yet, though very different, both of them suffer from the exact same sin just like you do, just like I do. Listen to their stories and see if you can spot the sin they have in common. Now, I'll give you a clue to help you out, okay? That's what us old retired pastors do, we help them out. Remember to who Jesus is speaking, tax collectors and Pharisees, Those two groups have the exact same sin in common as well. Now, you all know the younger son better, I'm sure. He's that brash, ungrateful brat who went to his father one day and demanded his half of the inheritance, even though obviously his old man is still alive and well. Once he gets the goods, he left home and his family and took off. I mean, since he had so much wealth, he decided he didn't really need his father's assistance anymore. Not to mention the rules, the chores, and the upkeep of the fields. So it's off with him to a faraway land and a chance to live the high life. You see, living large with the bling bling is nice while it lasts. It attracts a lot of friends. Maybe not the best kind of friends, but it attracts a lot of friends nonetheless. You got good company around you, or a lot of it anyway. But it also takes a lot of money. And it's only a matter of time until the younger son found himself dead broke, penniless. It's just in time For him to be in real trouble when a severe famine hits the land. Without much more than the clothes on his back, the boy became hungry soon enough. Employment was hard to find, but he did land a job. He was hired on as a pig keeper, a feeder of swine for one of the citizens of that country. Now I know I'm talking about Jewish people here, you guys, that that raise hogs and stuff. If you ever toured a pig farm, you might not consider that to be the best or best employment in the world, but for Jesus' day and the ones who were hearing, that was awful. Pigs are unclean animals. That job was the lowest of the low. How difficult was it for this young boy? So bad that he coveted the food that the swine got and would have eaten their pods if they'd allowed him. But they wouldn't. But you know what? Sometimes suffering has an upside to it. It makes you remember what you left behind. That's kind of a good thing. At least if you can go back. The young man wanted to go back. But could he? When you've cut and run with half of everything your father has, that bridge might be burnt beyond repair. The son had to come up with a plan. And so listen to the strategy he advises. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I'm perishing with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I mean, come on. It sounds reasonable, doesn't it? If you really think about it. It's a two-part confession. First, he admitted that he'd forfeited his right to be a son. And secondly, he offers to be a servant, to earn his keep, He will be working for his wages, but he would at least be safe again. But would his dad buy it? That's the question. Well, only one way to find out. So the son starts the long journey home. While he's still a long ways off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran to his returning son, embraced him and kissed him. Obviously, the father was delighted to see his son. And the son began his confession. He got through part one just fine. Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He had it right. That is absolutely true. But before he could get to the part about being a servant and earning his keep, his father cut him off. He called a servant and said, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Behold what manner of love the father lavished on his son. No matter the sins, no matter the folly of his youngest boy, that boy was still his child. So the father would not hear of any offer to become a servant. Instead, he declared that his lost son was found. He was dead, but was now alive and back safely. So what about the older brother? I mean, after all, he was the reliable one, right? He respected authority. He had a good work ethic. He was the one who had been slaving away in the family fields the whole time that that good-for-nothing brother of his had been on the run. It was the end of another exhausting day. He drew near to the house. He was surprised to hear music and celebrating. There was some kind of celebration going on, but what could it be? A servant passing by told him, your brother has come. And because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Now there's a thankless kick in the gut for you. Worthless brother found his way home after everything was lost and the father is celebrating. There was no way that older son was going in that house. He was not gonna be a part of that, no way. And yet his father, ever patient, came out of the house to plead with his son. He patiently stood there and endured the older boy's torrent of frustration. Listen carefully to the brother's words. See if you can spot the sin. Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. To which the father responds, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It would write that we should make merry and be glad your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and has been found. Behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on his son. Despite the son's bitterness, he told his older boy, everything I have is yours." Now those two brothers, they're so different in in every way. Do they have anything in common when it comes to sin? The younger brother has a list that includes disrespect of his father, greed, waste, and immoral living. The older brother is guilty of anger, resentment, and bitterness toward his brother. Beyond all of this, there is a sin, however, they have in common. Have you spotted it yet? My friends, it is this. Both believed their father's love depended on what they did. Both believe their sonship depends on their obedience. The younger son, the prodigal, He believed that because of his sins he would forfeited his sonship. Therefore, he hoped only to be hired as a servant. The older son believed he was more of a son than his brother because he had been the one who had been working hard in the fields. Therefore, he should be favored because he would earned the right. I mean, realistically, both arguments make sense. But both of them insult the father's love. The younger son is saying, my father's love is conditional. He cannot love me as a son because I have sinned. Therefore, he's only going to help me if I earn it. The older son is saying, my father's love is conditional. He should love me more because I've earned it more. They come at it from two directly opposing directions. But both are declaring that their father's love was limited. It was conditional. It was swayable. Remember my friends, the father is none other than your heavenly father. Those two sons are very much like the tax collectors and the Pharisees. Penitent, prodigal tax collectors might be tempted to think, I've sinned against God so much he will only forgive me and love me if I prove that I am worthy. Once I gain that, I will be forgiven. The Pharisees were tempted to think, God loves us so much more than these tax collectors because while they've been living a sinful life all this time, we've been hard at work to keep the rules and to be good sons. But both have this in common. They both believe God's love for them was based upon their performance. It makes sense to sinful ears, but it also says God's love is conditional. Now, it's been rather long, right, talking about this. Please don't start pointing fingers at the Pharisees and the tax collectors, because the same sin lurks inside each one of you and me. It might sound sincere and well-meaning, but it's still sin. To say God will not love me unless I do better is to say that God's love is conditional and must be earned. To say God must love me more because I've been in church since day one is to say God's love is conditional and I've earned it. But you see, my friends, saying that God's love is conditional is bad enough. But there's a greater offense at work. It insults your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, hung there, and suffered, and then cried out, it is finished. When you think like the Pharisees and the tax collectors, you are saying, no, it is not. God will not love me just because of you, Jesus. God will only love me if I earn His love. How horrible of a sin is that? But you see, that's the sins of the sons and all sinners of all times. So, what about the father? Let's stop here. I'm not going to talk about the father yet. Okay? When you were a child, what did you do to earn the right to be a son or daughter in your family? Did you pay dues? Did you take vows? Did you sign a contract? No, you did nothing. You were born. You were given life itself. That's how you became part of the family. When you obeyed your parents, were you more of a son or daughter? No. When you disobeyed them and got in trouble, were you less of a son or daughter? No. Oh, you might've suffered their disapproval, but you were still part of the family. Your membership in the family did not depend on your behavior. Whether you were the perfect angel or a total brat, you were still a son or a daughter. Why does God love you? Now, I don't want to say that it sound this wrong, because you are sons, and it does not matter whether you're male or female. The Bible declares that you are sons of God, and that's no more sexist. Then saying, Men are part of the bride of Christ. You are sons of God, or let me change it, all right? You are children of God, in that you are heirs of the kingdom of heaven. Why are you God's children? Not by your reason or strength, by your doing or worthiness. It's because of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He redeemed you on the cross. He suffered the judgment for the sins that would have kept you out of the family of God. And that's why, my friends, you can rejoice this day and always. For Jesus' death was and is sufficient. It's the full price that's been paid for all of your sins. You don't have to serve as servants and earn your way. Jesus died to make you children, family members, children of God who are part of the family now and forever. It's great news if you think about it. How certain is your salvation? For the sake of Jesus Christ alone, God has made you His child and gives you eternal life. And because it depends solely on Jesus Christ alone, not upon you, God's love and your sonship will never, ever change. Whether you're more like a tax collector or a Pharisee, More like the younger son or the older, more like a star child or a brat. You are a child, a child for the sake of Jesus Christ, not a slave who must earn his keep, but a child to whom everything has been given. And that's why, on account of Jesus Christ, we can celebrate with St. John once again, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.